Time travel to fun in the 16th century at the Maryland Renaissance Festival. Ten stages, food, pubs, shopping, jousting. Saturday, Sundays, and Labor Day Monday through October 24th. For tickets, visit MarylandRenaissanceFestival.com. Save big on admission through September 12th. Coming up, he's a six-time world champion, triple crown champion, grand slam champion, king of the ring, and widely regarded as the greatest to ever do it by his peers and the WWE universe. Can you dig it? The two-time WWE Hall of Famer Booker T is here. ATB starts now. Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves, and it has been a wild week across the board, as I'm sure everyone has known or read about, heard about, Uh, but we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about fun things with one of my favorite human beings I've ever encountered in this wild, wacky industry. He's taught me a lot. We've had a lot of great times. So let's focus on the fun things this week. He is my good friend and two-time WWE Hall of Famer, Booker T. Booker, what's up, man? It's good to see you finally. I, I went from seeing you every week forever, and now it's like, man, oh, Booker, oh, yeah, we, where's Booker? Booker's, you're always the busiest guy in WWE outside of WWE, so it's nice to finally catch up. Hey, man, um, I've been, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to stay on, my, on top of my game, man. You know, I always say, you know, you got to know how to stay relevant, especially within, you know, the storm, you know, with everything going on. The young guys are steady getting younger. So I'm just in the gym, man. I'm just still training. See, I got my shirt looking on. Looking real right jacked, I'm baby. Looking real jacked, you know. So <laughs> I'm just trying to maintain, keep the family um, on point, keep the family focused. Uh, more than anything right now because my kids, they've been homeschooling. Charmel, my wife, been having to be, become the teacher and the principal and everything else at the same time. Right. You know, so uh, it's been it's been uh, onward and upward, man. Um, even though we're in the pandemic, man, we cannot um, stop, you know, stick being focused more than anything. Right on. Well, let's talk a little bit more about that. Like I said, you're one of the busiest guys outside of WWE that still, you know, has your hands in the in the system. You've got your own promotion in Texas. You run your wrestling school. How has yeah. that been affected by all this? Man, it's been uh, affected um, huge um, um, as far as just not being able to be hands on um, because I've been um, a part of my school now, literally hands on. For the past 15 years, I've been the guy that everybody has been able to go to as far as, you know, what what do we do here? What do we do there? Um, but me being, you know, I wouldn't say in that vulnerable age just yet, but I still got to take care of myself. Sure. I've been letting my young guys, you know, take care of everything. Um, um, school had to shut down for a while. We're in that moment to work like back in 2008 when the stock market crashed. We're wondering, man, are we going to be able to hold on? You know, we see other wrestling schools around the country closing down right now. Right. You know, I'm going bankrupt. Um, but right now, due to the grace of God and a whole bunch of young guys still trying to make the wheels turn, the YouTube channel is still doing good. We're making revenue through that, um, you know. I've been having to come out of my pocket here and there just to make sure the, the rent is paid. It's one of those things, man, the work. We're just praying and hope, hoping at the end of the day, reality of wrestling is still there. We definitely need st- stuff like that. We need, you know, to feed the future of the business. So let me ask you this. From your perspective, two-time Hall of Famer, umpteen-time world champion, you've got this wrestling school, and to your point, you're very, very hands-on. What are some things that Booker T looks for in his students that might make you go, oh, Maybe now this we're gonna we're gonna feed this guy toward NXT or the next level or what what are the most important things to you? I tell you, um, heart is is literally so big. Um, 
I got this one little girl. Her name's AQA. Her name's Angela. We call her AQA. And um, she just got a letter uh, for a WWE tryout. And she came to me three years ago. She was like 16 years old. Mm-hmm. And she looked like my daughter. And I was like, what are you doing here? And then uh, a few years later, I watched her progress. Uh, she's, you know, even gotten a chance to go around the country and, and people looking at her like she could be the next, you know, big star, you know. So um, I, I look at heart. I look at determination. I look at how much they want it. And, and I can't judge a book by its cover because I've had, you know, kids coming to my school and it doesn't look like they can, you know, uh, do anything. Don't look like they're, they're going to turn out to be anything. And, and they turn out to be something special because they I try to get into their head. Um, it's really about the psychology. And I watch a lot of the young guys today go out there and do it. And they're they're awesome uh, performers. They can go out and do anything under the sun as far as moves go. But as far as psychology go, mm-hmm. I think they've missed a whole lot of that just because, you know, a lot of the carpenters, man, you know, we lost a lot of carpenters along the way. You know, I can only imagine if um, Kurt Henning was here teaching these young guys how to go out and perform, you know what I mean? Right. So I say, um, for me, I try to teach the small things, to the, the in-between things, um, you know, um, action is movement. Uh, you know, um, you know. One thing about uh, wrestlers, they, they tend to want to go out and do every move. Right? <laughs> and at the end of the day, uh, the fans still get just that same feeling. But if they can just go out there and get into their head from a psychology Shakespeare, Romeo and Juliet, right. Adam of the Opera perspective, man, they could be such awesome workers as well as those guys could be working at the top of the card. That's what they need to learn more than anything. They can, they, they can go out and perform. But working at the top of the card is where your main goal should be because that's where the money's at. That's where the legacy is at the end of the day. Was there a moment for you that you had like an aha where you kind of felt like you finally figured it out? Obviously, you I mean, you started in, in Dallas, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Back in that day, you obviously worked a long time before the world really knew who Booker T was. Was there a moment or a match or a time period where you kind of finally went, OK, I got this now? You know, um, it took many, many years before I got to that point. You know, and I, I, I would never say I ever um, fully mastered um, the game or anything like that. I, I watch some of my stuff right now. You know, I do an online class every Thursday night um, with students from around the country, around the world. And um, last week we were watching myself and Rick Martell, and I was pointing out all my flaws, all the bad the stuff that I did. Right. And I, I was like, guys, look, look, that's me right there making mistakes, um, mistakes that I realized I was making many years later. Um, so it's one of those things you want to try to capture it early as far as how to really go out there and learn the business and why you're doing it uh, more than anything. Because a lot of times, you know, I always thought guys thought it was playtime, you know, when the weekend came, when they put their trunks and boots on. Right, right. Go on, play <laughs> wrestler, sure. Exactly. It's not a, a real job. And for me, I always thought about it as a real job. I looked at the um, the guys that worked in the main event from the beginning. I looked at the, the guys that um, created the blueprint as far as what it took to make it, you know, to the next level, uh, especially for me, a black guy crashing that glass ceiling. You know, I had to watch the guys who really went out there and did it well. And I tell my students all the time, um, you steal a whole lot in this business. You just go out and steal everybody else's stuff and make it your own. Yeah, <laughs> you know? so yeah. I'm no genius or anything like that, but I've watched the best guys 
go out there and perform and try to take a little bit from each one of them and just make it something special. Well, you mentioned being a black guy in this business. And obviously with the, the current state of, of affairs in the country, it's a hot, hot button issue. Is that something you ever experienced firsthand coming up in the business? Yeah, man. I told a story uh, once uh, about, you know, firsthand story in WWE. Uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say the person's name or sure. anything like that, but um, it was Martin Luther King's um, birthday. Okay. And um, I was in the locker room with this one guy who was, a few other guys, and that's that's why I always say, guys, if you see something, you say something. You know, um, I can't do it by myself. I need guys to step up behind me as well. And a lot of those guys in, in the business that I've been in, I've been the one percent. Most of those guys been white. Um, but I remember uh, that day, um, it was something on television about Martin Luther King's birthday. And he said, "Man, what did he ever done? You know, who is he? What? Why should?" And, and I, I, you know me, I'm I'm pretty confrontational, and right. I, I, I always want to. Uh, my first um, mode is to, you know, want to throw hands. Right, right. And uh, I, I, I reacted and I wanted to throw hands and I and I calmed myself down because sometimes you got to take a situation, a moment. I always say, because when you have a moment, um, sometimes you may never get that moment back. So it's what you do, um, which is very, very important. So I said, instead of fighting this guy, um, I knew we were having a meeting that day and uh, all, the, all the boys, all mm-hmm. of the staff. And we had the meeting. And at the end of the meeting, they say, do anyone have anything to say? And I say, yes, I want that person to say in front of this whole room what he said in front of me in the locker room earlier today. And he tried to backtrack. And one of my boys stepped up and said, no, no, no. Say exactly what you said earlier today, because I was there, too. That guy happened to be a white guy. He ended up having to say what he what he said. And um. Uh, needless to say, that guy was fired a week later. We never saw him again ever in the business. Um, for me, I've always been a guy to uh, say something. I, I've never been passive as far as anything racial um, that's going to um, you know, happen in, you know, with me in the business. I can't speak for other people, but anything that's ever happened with me, um, racial, I always handled it firsthand. Um, and I've always been very, very, very well respected in the business because um I have a saying um, I, that saying is when you're 99 percent, um, you keep your mouth shut. But when you 100 percent, you speak up 100 percent of the time, no matter whether it's going to get you fired or not. You still speak up. Wow. That's I've never, I've never had that. I actually heard that story from you. But that's uh, but obviously was there anything you felt you had to overcome to that point? I mean, nah, I mean, as far as wrestling go, wrestling has always been easy for me. I mean, I, don't, I really never had those barriers of, you know, being the black guy that people were, you know, trying to hold down and, yeah. and suppress, you know. I mean, I had, you know, so many guys, man, in my, I wouldn't be here, you know, if it wasn't for a lot of white guys. I, I must say that um, because all those guys pushed for me, man. All those guys wanted me to be, you know, at the next level. I remember in Global, this guy named Maniac Mike Davis, man, he was like one of my biggest fans. He was like, man, you're going to get there, man. We're going to make sure you get there. You know, we'll make sure, you know, uh, um, Black Bart, man. Black Bart was one of those guys in my corner. You think he's a, some redneck from the South, but man, that guy was spitting knowledge to me every week and telling me how good I was. And, and I, Ox Baker, uh, another white guy who said, hey, kid, you got a lot of talent, but you know, uh, you're know you going to come up against a lot, a lot of obstacles in this business. He said, but you, man, you, your talent is going to get you through that. With those obstacles, sometimes you got to figure a way over it under it, around it, 
And like that last issue we were just talking about, sometimes you got to go straight through it. And, and, and I had so many guys, man, in my corner that was pushing for me to make it to that next level. And, and one thing I always uh, um, believed in was my talent, man. I, I was always better than all them suckers, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Whether they wanted to believe it or not, you know what I mean? But uh, I would go out in the ring and perform and say, go top that. You know what I mean? Go out there and see if you can top that. And um, those guys in WCW, they hated me because I was so braggadocious and so young and, and so raw as far as how good my t- I was in, inside the square circle because I had studied it very well. So we're talking before about you mentioned how important it is to stay relevant in any sort of entertainment business. You obviously have your radio show, The Hall of Fame, yeah. uh, which is wildly successful and it keeps you in the headlines Basically once a week, <laughs> Booker T says this, Booker T says that. Uh, how, how much you enjoy that freedom in this new chapter of your career? I've been planning uh, for this this stage of my life for since I was 30. Um, I, I started thinking about retiring when I was 30 years old. Um, I'm a kid who come from the street. Um, I, don't ha- I didn't have a whole lot of um, schooling, uh, per se. Um, school just wasn't my thing. So I had to figure life out. And and I one thing I talk to young people about, I say, man, when you find something that you're good at, you know, enhance it, you know, massage it, make sure you do everything you possibly can. Because for me, that was my way out. Um, professional wrestling has been my way out. Being able to network with people has been my way out. Being, you know, I tell people all the time, you can be extraordinary at what you do. And people don't like you. You're not going to stick around for a long time. I say, but you can just be good. And people like you, you stay around forever. That's That's me. That's me. You know what (laughs) I mean? So I always um, tried to find, you know, my niche, um, you know, what I was going to do next in life. Uh, People always told me, man, you you got a good voice. You got a really cool voice. Uh, I never knew how I was going to get into radio, but but it was something I thought about. And um, I had a friend who gave me an opportunity. I did it for two years for free. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought, brought my uh, my partner in with me, which is a kid that came to me when he was 18 years old, and now he's 25. Young, good-looking white kid, food for an air dude. I say, man, what, what cool dynamic would it be? Uh, a 50-year-old guy and a 25-year-old guy together, you know, to, yeah. on, on their own show with so many different perspectives um, that's different, but so many that's alike at the same time. And um, we just kept working on it and kept working on it. Then we came up with the name, the Hall of Fame, uh, which uh, which is fitting, you know, me being two-time <laughs> Hall of Fame. <laughs> but I'm going to say my partner, Brad, came up with the name. And um, just to be able to voice my opinion, uh, just to, uh, a quote uh, I was looking at on Twitter about me a couple of days ago, and they said, man, Booker, one thing I can say about Booker T, he's real. You know, he's going to say what's on his mind. I'm, I'm not the guy. People might, I got a lot of people say I'm a company guy too, you know, and I'm just towing the line, you know, but I just speak what, what the truth is, man. And I don't try to sugarcoat it or anything like that. And if you like it, you like it. If you don't like it, you don't like it. One thing I do try not to do is uh, step on anybody's toes. Uh, I don't want to say anything that I can't say in somebody's face. You know what I mean? If, if I can't say it in your face, I'm not going to say it at all. Um, if I respect you, uh, I, I 
I'm going to make sure I, I go that route. But if I don't respect you, I'm going to let you know about it. To your point about being able to speak your mind, uh, the, the headline that caught my attention last week uh, was obviously the entire WWE has been talking about The Undertaker in the Last Ride documentary. And Booker T doesn't believe we've seen the last of the phenom. Look, I'm no conspiracy theorist. Or anything like that. <laughs> Let's just get that straight. <laughs> but I know how hard it is, man. I know how hard it is to walk away from the business and you know, you know how hard it is sure. you know, to walk away from it and say, man, that's the last time I'm going to do this. You know, um, I've, I've been out of a WWE ring for, for quite some time now. But rest assured, if if they call me and say, hey, you know, one, one match, you know, yep. I mean? I'll be like, baby, what? can you help me find my boots? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm on a plane. I'm there. One thing about professional wrestlers, we could say we're retiring. We could say it. That's the last ride. But it ain't over until they put us in the ground. Um, it ain't over until they put the soil over us, you sure. know, and, and yeah. lay it all out flat. And that that's the final ride, I, I think. You know, I look at um, a guy like um, Bullet Bob Armstrong right now who's mm-hmm. dealing with cancer. Right. The last post I saw him um, post was him in the gym on the bench. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just in case, you know, he get a phone call, you know. Yep. That's the way we are. And that's why I say that, not to uh, disrespect the Undertaker um, and his wishes of saying, hey, man, this is the last ride. I'm walking away from it. I don't want to screw that up or anything like that. But I'm just keeping it real as far as we as professional wrestlers, we as performers, um, that itch, man, is, is always there. And it's in always, our blood. You, know, you always tend to want to scratch it. Um, like I say, man, I remember my last match with – one of my kids at the school, man, I was, I was so sore and I was so beat up for like about two <laughs> weeks after. And I'm like, man, what the hell was I thinking? But then after a few weeks, I was like, man, I think I can do it again. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's one of the, I retired to Spinner Rooney three years ago, but I think I did it about three months ago. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you're keeping keeping a, uh, a finger on the pulse of the current WWE landscape. Uh, I want to ask you and get your thoughts on what was billed as the greatest wrestling match ever, uh, Edge and Randy Orton. I thought it was amazing. I thought it was a masterpiece. It was unique, but you know, obviously, certain circumstances forced the hand to be you know to be in such a circumstance. But what were your thoughts on the greatest wrestling match ever? And it was a match. You know what I mean? Uh, matches like that are always up for interpretation. Um, but uh, one one thing I. I always, I'm a promoter. I'm, you know, I got, yes. a little, I got a little small organization here in Houston called Reality of Wrestling. You know, we come on uh, YouTube, you know, we got a little channel. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'm all about the marketing, man. I'm all about how you build things. I, I remember when I was coming up uh, a kid and I remember uh, seeing John Travolta on the Saturday Night Fever post. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I got to go see that, man. You know, I remember seeing Bruce Lee, uh, on, you know, when Enter the Dragon first came to, came to the States, you know, and I was like, wow, I got to go see this cat, man, you know. Um, what's on the marquee is very, very important uh, for people to want to watch it. The greatest wrestling match ever. You know, you got Randy Orton, you got Edge, two guys who are, you know, fit the building. So you say, man, let me watch this. Let me see exactly how good this thing's going to be because I've seen Steamboat Savage, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so I got to I gotta watch this, you know? So, um, um, and that's what that was about more than anything. Edge being able to come back and try to uh, 
recreates that momentum that he had when he left. Um, Randy Orton being the guy that I always have called that man. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. my guy. You know, Randy's <laughs> always been very, very high on the list. Uh, but, but for those guys to go out there and, you know, do it, you know, and get through it at the end of the day, I'm sure they wanted just like everybody else. Uh, man, can we go out here and really pull something off like this? And at the end of the day, they said, man, let's, let's just go out here and have a match. Yeah. And, and, and that's what it was. It was a good match. And hopefully um, it lived up to the building uh, to the fans. What, what's your opinion on the current circumstances that obviously we are not allowed to have wrestling fans right now? And everyone's keep it keeps moving forward, but it's different. I mean, it's different for me sitting at ringside calling the match. I can only imagine what it feels like for those guys. As someone who's been around the business as long as you have, and obviously have your your strong opinions on things, where does Booker stand on how things are going right now? Well, guys are definitely in a certain position, a certain phase of wrestling that we've never been in before. Um, but uh, on the other hand, just like I, I said earlier about having a moment. Mm-hmm. And, and you have to capture that moment because you may never get it back. Um, situations sometimes, you know, you know, fall in your hands and man, you just got to deal with it. You got to figure it out. And I say that because, you know, I lost my, my, my father when I was 10 months old. I lost my mother when I was 13. You got to be able to figure things out. That's just the way life is. Um, with this situation right here, I look at it like, man, someone can really take this um, such as um, Drew McIntyre has been doing and said, man, let me really see how far I can push the limit as far as my, my skills go, as far mm-hmm. as my acting go. Uh, I found myself in that position when I was King Booker. And so I was like, man, you know, man, I got a moment here. You know, Hollywood could be watching. After this yep. whole thing yep. wrap up, man, I might get a call from some director. <laughs> so let me make sure I go out here and really put in, you know, some time and think unlike perhaps – 80 to 90% of the guys on the roster. Because trust me, a lot of those guys are thinking the same way. They're thinking like you are right now, man. I mean, what am I, you know, man, how am I going to go out here and be able to pull this off? But for me, I say, man, this is a moment. I'm going to go out here and really raise the bar. So I want to see that from the talent on the roster more than anything. I see these guys going out and wrestling uh, and performing, um, but I don't see him really going out there and bringing the fan that's watching it on television inside uh, of the ring, inside the PC. Uh, and for me, it, that that really takes a lot of work. Uh, I always thought performing for me, I don't know how the young guys think today, but I think we're, we're nowhere near trying to capture those moments with our fans. And I think this is a great time to actually try to do that. Who stood out to you in recent recent months? Anybody in particular? Like I say, um, Drew is the one guy who's been in that position to, you know, take it to another level because, you know, he's, he's the guy. And for him, people wondered about, especially being uh, the guy in this era that we're in right now. So I say um, I, look, I look at Drew and look at his um, as well as Randy. Um, uh, Randy's promos. Oh man! All right, Randy's unbelievable. Lately. No, no, yeah. seriously. I mean, yeah. because Randy's promos has been man on on spot, man. Uh, as well as uh, I talked to Seth Rollins, and I talked about man what we were just talking about earlier. Man, it seemed like you found it, and you don't have to go out there and think anymore. And it's just coming to you. And he was like, man, the light bulb just seemed to have gone off, and I, and I, I understand now, you know. So. It's a few guys who has been, have been taking this moment 
and making it their own. And, you know, that's, those are probably my top three guys who have, have done that. Maybe the younger guys just aren't, I wouldn't say smart enough, uh, but, but just not thinking that way just yet. I, I think they're just still caught up into going out there and having their matches. And, you know, that's it. Well, to your point earlier, you said we lost a lot of the, of the carpenters and, and the mechanics in the business. When I talked to John Cena. He named you and, and a litany of other guys, Eddie Guerrero, uh, being the, the true teachers that kind of passed on that style and what it really meant to work. And there aren't a lot of, uh, if any, left. I mean, at this point, Cena is is an elder statesman, and he's only around from time to time. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you on that. Uh, Cena, every, t- every time I, when I, Cena, you know, we cross band, you know, he didn't say hi. Uh, what's up, book? He just always says Shakespeare, and that's that's our code, you know, between each other. Because I tried my best to teach John Cena the art of Shakespeare when we worked, and and I made sure I gave every ounce of knowledge I had to John. Man, no one took that knowledge better than John. People that, that heard me say, you know, on commentary, and I don't know if they thought I was digging at John or ripping him or whatever. I say, like, man, this guy's got a limited skill set. But he's a guy who's taking that skill set and parlayed it to the greatest career in the history of the business. Sure. That's no, that's not a knock or anything like that. Right, right. That's letting, that's letting you know, man, you can take very, very little and make so much out of it, which John Cena has done. And so many guys uh, just don't understand that. They just, there it is. They just don't understand it because they haven't been taught it. But John was, like you say, a guy that sat under the learning tree, man, and he made sure he soaked every ounce of that knowledge up, man. I wish the young guys out there could uh, kind of look at it, and you know. But a lot of them, you know, they give me a call from here to here to here. Right. Time to time. <laughs> I spent I spent plenty of time under the learning tree in the, in the Hyatt lobby in Stamford, Connecticut. <laughs> I was, I was thinking about that the other day. I didn't realize it at the time, but man, we had the best gig in the company. Man, I wish I still had the gig. Right? Doing the raw pre-show and, and working for 30 minutes and then going eating sea bass. I'm like, man, okay, I miss that sea bass, man. Honestly, man. Honest to God. We were, yeah, we were basically stealing money, but what a great time to sit there. But, but to that point, I, I learned a ton from you, not only from the broadcasting perspective, but about the business. I mean, I've been around the business for more than half of my life, but to have someone that actually has true knowledge and passed down. And, and it was so enjoyable to me to just sit there and have a couple cocktails and watch sports and just, just BS. I appreciate it, man. But you learn so much from little things, but to the broadcasting point, the one thing that you told me when I first got started doing the, the panels on the kickoff shows, <laughs> and I'll never forget this because I use it to this day. You said, when somebody is asking you a question, don't look at them. Avert your eyes and listen, because then you actually absorb what they're saying instead of trying to watch. And yeah. you told me that, and it was there was a light bulb moment for me. And to this day, I, I sometimes feel weird, especially on camera, where I'll, I'll look down. I'm not, not paying attention to you. I hear you better like that. And that was, that was a Booker T thing. Hey, man, it's the small things. I, I tell people all the time, too, like my young guys, I say, you know, uh, you're right-handed or left-handed. You know, they go, uh, right-handed, you know what I mean? So I say, well, hold a microphone in your left hand, you know what I mean? Because your right hand want to move all around, you know what I mean? So it's little bitty tricks of the trade uh, that I picked up along the way. And I try to make sure um, uh, I give it to the next guy. You know, Samoa Joe, he was one of my guys, you know, who sat under the learning tree, you know, Rude um, was one of my guys, you know, Xavier Woods, you know, all of those guys were guys that I tried to make sure I helped and gave something um, that they could go and expound and give to someone else 
you know, down the line because I really, truly, honestly think that's what has gotten me um, this thus far. I mean, I've been a part of the business now 30 years, man, 30 years, and I'm still there again, relevant um, to where, you know, extreme rules. I just got to call today, man. You know, we, we need you, you know. So <laughs> that's for me, um, just lets me know, lets me know that I'm doing my job and, um, and people appreciate it more than anything else. What's your opinion on these uh, cinematic style matches we've been kind of doing recently? I think right now is a perfect time for that to be able to do. I say do more. Um, I, I, I swear, man, um, that the match at the uh, at the headquarters ladder match. Money yeah, yeah, the money in the back. Oh, yeah. man, I mean, somebody needs to have called me uh, just to help set that thing up, you know, because it, it was perfectly um, it was perfectly setting up for uh, setting like the game of death. Uh, Bruce Lee back in the day when he had to climb the chamber, and uh, I, saw, I saw so much in having uh, that that style of match. I mean, the Boneyard match, man, they knocked it out of the park. But for me, uh, my creative juices start flowing when I see stuff like this mm-hmm. because it's it's so much there for the fan to be able to have, uh, especially you know when we're watching television right now, and, and then when everything get back to normal. You know, I, I wouldn't say it's a stretch to be able to do that kind of stuff from time to time still. Um, but we got to start planting the seed now uh, for, for that to grow um, later on. And, but, but the thing is, it's got to be done and it's got to be done right, uh, first and foremost. But I like it. So obviously, we mentioned about how many irons you have in different fires. Uh, what else is keeping Booker T busy these days? Man, I just pull backstage, man. I'm a little hot about that. Yeah, let's talk about that. I actually had Renee on last week, and she texted me about 15 minutes after we finished recording and let yeah, me know. Yeah, yeah. My thing with, with, with WWE backstage, uh, I remember when I first started uh, doing it, I was like, man, I'm going to just ride this, this gravy train. <laughs> 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 because it ain't going to last forever. <laughs> 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 I knew you know, the pandemic and everything was going to throw a monkey wrench and everything. I tell you, I was having a, a lot of fun. Hopefully, um, they can find another spot for me. But I'm, a, I'm an optimist um, when it comes to stuff like that, man. I mean, it, it's there for as long as it's there. And and then you you, you move on and, you know, to, to what's next. Uh, the, the crew that I was working with was was awesome. It was there again, kind of like when we had the gig down in Stanford. Yeah. It, was just, it was just such an easy gig to go out and do a you know, Tuesday, fly out to L.A. and then come back. And L.A. ain't a, ain't a bad place to go in no. <laughs> as well, you know. So for me, I was loving it. Uh, the stuff that, you know, we got a chance to talk about there, right? The final episode for me was the best stuff for that and more than stuff that I want to do, like really getting ahead of, you know, someone like Bret Hart. You know, I never knew Bret Hart. You know, I asked him, you know, would, if he had a chance, would he? you know, do it all over again, leave WWE and go to WCW. And he said, no, I was trying to figure out how to stay in WWE, man. It ruined everything for me. And that was the first time that I ever heard Bret Hart say something like that. Right. Uh, and I was like, man, I wanted to do more stuff like that. I wanted to do more. I wanted to talk about, you know, uh, independent wrestling. That's that's what I really wanted to talk about. Um, I knew it was called WWE backstage, but we, we could have talked about, you know, guys, certain guys out there that was good enough to talk about that people knew that brought relevance to that product. Because right. thing about me, I remember seeing myself in a magazine for the first time. It was in this little section called Rogue's Gallery. And I was like, 
I made it. I remember, yeah. being, I remember being in the uh, BWI 500 for the yeah. first time. Oh, oh, I made yeah. it. You know what I mean? So I thought it was so much out there that we were missing from a uh, news um, worthy, you know, perspective. And, and I just think doing something like that would have drew more eyes on um, the show. And, you know, and my thing was, I was always worried weekly uh, just because, you know, the ratings what wasn't what I wanted. Um, I say, you know, with my star power and all the rest of the guys on the panel, our star power together, man, we shouldn't have had no less than 500,000 viewers per week. Uh, that should have been a, the low number. Uh, for us, uh, and for me, uh, I don't. I don't think it was a, enough thought going into something like that. Everybody was just low, and I'm like, man, we got to get these numbers up, you know. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I thought stuff like that would intrigue not just the casual WWE um, viewer, but people that's really thinking about, man, what is this business really, really, truly all about? Right, right. Well, you you get to delve a little bit more into that sort of thing on your Hall of Fame radio show, correct? You, oh yeah, I mean, yeah. Do whatever you want. Uh, definitely. I talk about independent wrestlers all the time, man. I talk about the independent scene, talk about what's going on out there. Um, Mercedes Martinez was one of the things I was really high on before she ever, you know, made it to the company or anything like that. Um, that world is is very relevant, man. And, and, mm-hmm. and they want to hear their names. Sure. And, and, and trust me, if, 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 if one here the other's name, they're going to be tuning in, waiting to hear their name called. Yeah. It's like, I always, used to, uh, when I, when I when, as a worker, you know, when I would work the crowd, I would always work only one person or one section because my thought process was everybody in the arena wanted to be that section or that person. And they were going to get louder just because they begging for me to come their way. But I never would go that way because I needed them to keep getting louder and louder. Same thing, same format uh, with something like this. You got to know how to, you know, drop that bait in in order to, you know, I'm a fisherman. I'm an angler. You know what I mean? So, uh, <laughs> Jeremy Wade, uh, I was one of my favorite people. You know what I mean? So, so uh, it's all about knowing how to, you know, what bait you're using and how to set the hook. G3 Assistance through Virginia's community colleges is your pathway to a new future, helping those who qualify pay for school and train for the right career. Right where you are, right now. Get a skill. Get a job. Get ahead. You can learn more at vccs.edu forward slash G3. All right, book. So before we got on the on the air here, started recording, you and I were chatting about something that is very relevant in the entire wrestling business right now, particularly on social media. That's the recent speaking out movement, and I know you got to speak out, yeah. And and you have a some some very uh, strong opinions on this. Oh, it's just because I I know how men are. (laughs) It's 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 just that simple. A lot of young girls come my come through my school that you know become women. And have to protect themselves out there. So I have to always have that speech with them, you know, um, as far as what they're getting into, why they're getting into, uh, uh, why, why they're getting in it. And, you know, what's the uh, motive amber, apparandi at the end of the day? With these young girls, sometimes they can hear someone older say something to them and, you know, they don't know how to handle it. They don't know how to respond to it. Um, sometimes they can be put in a situation where 
you know, they they feel like if they say no, certain things may happen. It could be any anything uh, as far as for that go. But my my thing is when I have these young girls uh, come to my school, I look at them and I go, man, uh, this this could turn out real ugly because I just because I know how the business is. So I I, t- I give them a speech and say, hey, uh, you know, such and such and such and such. Uh, you're gonna go to a certain company. Um, Guys are going to like you. Just say you're going for a tryout. Guys are going to like you. They're going to hit on you. They're going to try to take you back to their hotel room. That's going to happen. But I say, understand why you're in this. Understand where you're trying to get. And if something like that happened in the beginning, that's the road you're going to go down. I, I tell them, if, if a promoter, a booker aren't treating them the way that I treat them, um, they need to talk to someone. They need to say something. They might need to move on. I say, because the way I treat you is the way you should be treated. I've had my school now for 15 years and the speak out, hashtag speak out movement um, that's going on right now. And trust me, if anything had, had gone on with me or any of my young girls, it would come out right now. Oh, of course. Uh, no, seriously. And, yeah. and, and, and you know what? It would only be right. I would only be, you know, uh, you know, it, it should only be right for me to be punished and, and looked at as a scumbag, the scum of the earth. Um, if I was to do something like that when being entrusted to uh, take care of um, some parents, little girl, you know, sure. um, yeah. when, when, when Ember Moon came to my school the first time, she was with her mom and dad. So if I could protect Ember Moon, you know, I mean, how would that have made me feel if, if her name came out in something like this, dealing with something like that, if I hadn't talked to her the proper way, you know, so um as well as how can I look at the parents in their in their eyes ever again? You know what I mean. So sure for for me, it, it is bigger than that. It's bigger than that. It's 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 what it's what my mom taught me when I was a, a kid. She said, "Junior, you you know right from wrong." Okay, it's no gray area uh, when, when it when it becomes um, when it comes to right and wrong. Uh, and, and me personally, I've seen certain things um, in the business. Don't think that uh, I wouldn't say I've seen. I've heard stories coming up. Uh, back in the day and even in WCW it was a whole lot of togetherness there and I ain't nobody ever called me the n-word one time throughout my wrestling career um so so when I see the minority in in a position like they are uh right now um trying to just get into this business and you got these scumbags out there um trying to you know get sexual favors it, it bothers me um Intergender matches. For me, um, I've, I've, I've been a, um, one of those guys who've always been against intergender matches um, just because, first and foremost, I'm not going to see a man fighting a woman. It's not going to be believable. And nine times out of ten, if these scumbags out there um, that's wanting to have these kind of matches, they're doing them for arterial motives. And we see that uh, right now. Right. So um, it, 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 can, can a, a female learn a, a um, maybe a little bit more from some of the guys, of course. Um, if you're using it from a, a training perspective, a training tool, yes. But as far as going out there and having these kind of matches in the arenas and some of the stuff that I've seen online, it makes me not want to have a professional wrestler on my gravestone when I die. So that's why I said we got to be rid of all of that kind of activity in this business in order to keep it sacred. Uh, after I'm gone, they can do what the hell they want to do. <laughs> we'll try to keep it going. Don't worry. <laughs> Who am I kidding? You're going to outlive all of us anyway. You're going to still be jacked. Hitting, hitting triple digits. So, 
So where where uh, can the, the After the Bell listeners find your uh, everything you're working on? Your radio show? and Catch me on uh, Booker T5X on Twitter, uh, um, ESPN um, um, Radio, of course, um, ESPN 97.5 um, in Houston, uh, realityofwrestling.com. Also, um, check out the YouTube channel right now. We're up to 315,000. Um, subscribers, man, and uh, the YouTube channel is growing, man. We're trying to get up to that that million mark and uh, really, go. really do something big with it, like sell it, make some real money. <laughs> <laughs> like Joe Rogan. That's, I'm that's to it. Get some of that Joe Rogan. Money, right? Man. God bless you know? him, man. So, oh. so I'm serious, man. So, But no, nah, man, um, always catch me out there doing my thing, man. I ain't going nowhere. No time soon. God, keep blessing me to stay healthy. Um, that's the only thing I ask for more than anything is my health. Um, I'll, I'll get the work done if you could just uh, grant me that one wish. Beautifully said. And uh, I still avoid Starbucks at all costs for for those that recall that. <laughs> that I ain't going to say it behind your back. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Book. Well, hey, man, you're always welcome on After the Bell. And hopefully I'll see you Extreme Rules Weekend, man. Give me a job, man. Give me a I'll job. Try. Man. I'm looking for another job. <laughs> We'll keep you busy, Buck. Thanks, man. You got it, bro. Alas, our time on ATB this week is running thin. But before I leave you, I would be remiss if I didn't offer a little wisdom, some zen thrown your way. This comes from Marcus Aurelius. You guys know I'm on this stoicism kick. It's all I've been reading. True tranquility comes when you stop caring what they say or think or do only what you do. That's some Zen for you. I am full of it. Thank you one more time to Booker T for hanging out. Make sure you follow at After the Bell WWE on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and use the hashtag After the Bell if you're talking about us. I know I say this all the time, but if you're using Apple Podcasts and haven't left us a review yet, throw me five stars, please. It helps spread the word. If you're using an Android, follow ATB on Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, or Google Podcasts so that you never miss an episode. Follow me at WWE Graves, and I will be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE after the bell.